Welcome to the Kindred Church Podcast, where we talk about God, faith, and real life. This is Daniel Childs. I'm the host of the podcast and the pastor of Kindred Church. To learn more about how to connect with our community, check out our website at www.kindrednc.church. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're glad you've tuned in for today's episode. Now, let's talk about God. We're here in week three of our sermon series entitled Enter In, which is based around the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. In this story, Jesus tells about a master who, before leaving on a long journey, entrusts three small fortunes to three servants based on their abilities. Matthew 25, 15 says it this way, to one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, and to another he gave one. He gave to each servant according to that servant's ability. It's this phrase, according to the servant's ability, that I wanna explore with you today in this encounter of Peter with Jesus in the Sea of Galilee in Luke 5. This text offers rich possibilities for reflecting on how God calls ordinary people to courageous discipleship, mission, and generosity. After all, there is nothing the slightest bit extraordinary about Simon Peter and his fishing partners. They are simple fishermen, and they are simply doing what they did every day. They're minding their own business, cleaning their nets after a long, particularly discouraging night of work. When Jesus comes along, enters into their utterly normal, mundane lives, and changes everything. Here's how Jesus did it. First, Jesus needed Simon and his boat. I remember a time on a Florida beach when the kids were all little. And as a matter of fact, I believe Cosmo was still, still having to wear a life vest, which he hated. I was on Cosmo duty in the waves when I noticed that the other two walked out of the water back up to the beach, what I thought to their mom. I kept swimming with Cosmo, and the next thing I noticed is that Cannon and Whippy come paddling up on a paddleboard, but we didn't bring one to the beach. I looked around to see if someone was missing it when I caught the eye of the 20-something in charge of the rentals, who just laughed and waved us on. Later, when we took the board back, he told me that they just walked up to him, smiled, and said, we're gonna use this, okay? And to his surprise, he said, okay. Imagine Peter's surprise when Jesus sat down in his boat to teach the crowds that had gathered around him. He must have remembered Jesus from earlier when he healed his mother-in-law. Regardless, he might have been too tired to tell Jesus no or to realize what he was getting himself into. Simon had been fishing all night with no success, then working from the early morning hours cleaning his nets. Most likely he was exhausted and looking forward to going home and getting some sleep. So it must have, been, must have seemed to be a bit of an imposition when Jesus got into his boat and asked him to put out a little way from the shore for official ministry business. Regardless, uh, Simon did what Jesus asked him to do. Whether it was clear to him or not at that moment, Jesus needed Simon and his boat. One thing we learn really quickly about Jesus is that he begins to involve others in ministry almost immediately. In all four Gospels, 
Jesus begins his earthly, his earthly ministry by recruiting others to join him, starting with Simon and his fishing buddies. Jesus needed Simon in his boat. Jesus needs you and me and our boats. God needs who we are and what we do and what we have to see God's kingdom come. Jesus wants to involve you, your boat, whether that's your education, your training, your possessions, your positions, your time, your gifts, your resources, your everything, because in Jesus' hands, the ordinary becomes extraordinary. Jesus needed Simon in his boat. Jesus needs yours and mine too. Second, Jesus wanted to take Simon out to deep water. Luke does not tell us what Jesus taught the crowds that morning. The focus of the story is on what happens afterwards. Jesus tells Simon to put out into the deep water and let down his nets for a catch. Simon obviously believes this to be a futile exercise. He is, after all, a professional fisherman. You can almost read between the lines, almost hear what Simon is thinking. The nerve of that guy. Doesn't he know what I do for a living? That preacher should just stick to his sermons. We can almost hear the exasperation in his voice when he responds, Master, we have worked all night, but have caught nothing. But then he continues, Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. He initially protests Jesus' instruction to go out to the deep waters and let down the nets because he is convinced that the fish aren't biting. They've worked all night and caught nothing. We can hardly blame him for his skepticism because we have the same thoughts ourselves. How often do we resist Jesus' claim on our lives because what he is calling us to do seems crazy or too impractical? How often do we avoid putting up, putting out into the deep waters of following and bearing witness to Jesus because we are convinced that we will not see any results? We might, what might it mean for us to go deep sea fishing with Jesus, to trust and follow him outside of our comfort zones, to let go of our certainties, and to take him at his word? We know what happens next. The nets become so full of fish that they begin to break. Simon has to wave the other boat to come help, and when it gets out there, both boats begin to sink because there is a multitude of fish. The word Luke uses for the amount of fish or multitude is polis. The word used over a dozen times in the Acts of the Apostles, or AKA the sequel to Luke, for the multitude of people who believe the apostles' message about Jesus. Like Simon, Jesus wants us to take out to the deep water. Jesus wants to show us the place where faithfulness and fruitfulness meet if we dare listen and obey. And it's not only for Simon or for each of us individually, but those deep waters are a place where community is reimagined and relationships are rooted in the power and grace of our God. Think of what, what Simon would have missed out on if he had not gone back out in the deep water and had not thrown his nets back in. Think of what we will miss if we are content to play it safe near familiar shores, tired and tangled up in the empty nets of self-sufficiency. Jesus wants to take us out to the deep waters to show us what is possible by faith. Third, Jesus called Simon just as he was. One of my favorite fishing trips 
was when we went deep sea fishing with our troop back in Oklahoma. On the first day, our scoutmaster was trying to get everyone to take Dramamine so no one would get sick. And he made the mistake of asking Cosmo if he wanted to take it. Cosmo said no. The scoutmaster then spent the next hour trying to convince him to take it, saying that if he got sick, he was gonna ruin the trip for everybody. Well, two hours into the trip, Cosmo was one of the last men standing. He's out there fishing and having a good old time and everyone else is getting sick over the side of the boat, me included. And every time someone got sick, especially the scoutmaster, Scott, Cosmo just smiled bigger and bigger. There's something about being on a boat out in deep waters that can humble you. Seeing the miraculous catch, Simon is humbled. He becomes overwhelmed with fear and wonder, sensing that he is in the presence of divine power. He responds by falling down at Jesus' knees and begging him, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. In the midst of an ordinary daily grind, and in fact, after a particularly lousy night of work, he's encountered by one who changes everything. Amazed by the power of God displayed in the abundant catch of fish, Simon is immediately aware of his sinfulness and unworthiness. He sees the overwhelming disparity between God's power manifest in Jesus in his own mortal compromised life. Yet Jesus calls Simon and his partners just as they are. Simon is actually aware of his unworthiness, but Jesus is not put off, put off by this in the slightest. Jesus does not ask Simon to get his act together his resume prepared, and then come back for an interview. Rather, Jesus encounters him as he is, tells him not to be afraid, and calls him to a new mission of catching people. Throughout scripture, we see that human sin, failure, and inadequacy are no obstacles to God's call. God calls imperfect people to do God's work, people who are aware of their unworthiness and are often doubting and resistant to God's call. Yet God doesn't wait for them to shape up. God calls them as they are and then works on shaping them into faithful servants. Jesus' mission does not wait until we think we're ready. Not for Simon and not for us. The need for the gospel in this broken world is far too urgent. We are called right now, even in spite of our frailties, failures, and doubts, even in the midst of our ordinary, busy, complicated lives. Jesus called Simon as he was. Jesus calls each of us as we are. Thanks be to God. And finally, Jesus redeemed Simon for God's rescue mission. In June of 2018, the world held its breath for 18 days as a group of elite cave divers risked everything to rescue 12 boys and their coach from an underwater cave in Northern Thailand. These boys who were all members of our soccer team had gone into a long winding underground cave with their coach to celebrate one of the boys' birthdays. But it was just before the beginning of the four month monsoon season. And while they were in the cave, it started to downpour outside. Rain rushed into the cave, trapping them deep inside. As the days worn on, the Thai authorities brought in the Thai Navy SEALs, but discovered that they were not prepared or trained for this type of diving. 
This is where Rick Stanton, a hobbyist cave diver, and his buddies were brought in to help with the rescue. Listen to Rick explain why he was particularly qualified for this job. And I'm quoting now from an interview on NPR's Fresh Air. Rick says, I wouldn't even describe myself as a diver. I'd say in US, you have the word spelunking, which is a person that explores a dry cave. I just say that I'm an underwater spelunker. So really, it's the caving skills that's forefront to us, not necessarily the diving. Our specialty, and that is what really came to the fore in Thailand, is not just going on a dive, but to carry your diving gear through a network of caves. So that's our specialty, which we have, this very strange hobby, which we've really pursued for 40 years, just for our own perverse enjoyment and pleasure. And what really brought home to me is how so suddenly it all became worthwhile. And then this obscure sideline hobby that no one could understand or vocalize all came good and was a huge benefit to those 13 young lives and done on a world stage. So I'm huge, hugely proud of the event and the fact that my life almost, you could say, led to that point. When Simon saw the catch and who he was standing in the presence of, his priorities completely changed. In this one event, Simon was able to see how everything that had happened up to this point in his life had been preparing him for Jesus' invitation in Luke 5.10. In the most profound way, his life was redeemed by God's rescue mission when he was called to fish for people. He was redeemed to save others. Like Simon, we are all called by virtue of our baptism to participate in God's mission to the world in Jesus Christ. We are all called daily to reorient our priorities to align with God's priorities, to use the gifts God has given us in service to others, to share the good news of Christ in word and deed. God longs to redeem who we are, what we do, and what we have to rescue the lives of those around us. For most of us, this will not mean leaving our current professions behind, although we can't rule that out. It may mean allowing God to redeem our work for the sake of others. To be honest, I believe one of the greatest needs within the church is to recapture a deeper understanding of vocation and calling for all Christians. Your work matters. Your work matters to God, whatever you do. One helpful definition of vocation comes from Frederick Buechner, who defined vocation this way in his little book, Wishful Thinking. Vocation. It comes from the Latin vocare, to call. It means the work a person is called to do by God. There are all different kinds of voices calling you to all different kinds of work. And the problem is to find out which is the voice of God rather than that of society, say, or the superego or self-interest. By and large, a good rule for finding out is this. The kind of work God usually calls you to is the kind of work, A, that you need most to do, and B, the world most needs to have done. If you really get a kick out of your work, you're prob you're presumably, you, you've presumably met requirement A. But if your work is writing TV deodorant commercials, the chances are you've missed requirement B. On the other hand, if your work is being a doctor, a doctor in a leper colony, you have probably met requirement B. 
But if most of the time you're bored and depressed by it, the chances are you have not only bypassed A, but probably aren't helping your patients much either. Here's where he wraps up. The place God calls you to is a place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meets. This is the, the, the simple vocation of vocation. Listen to the end. Simple definition of vocation. Hear it again. This is the simple definition of vocation that I want you to hear again. The place God calls you to, it's a place where your deep gladness and the world deep hunger, the world's deep hunger meets. And this is the simple definition of vocation that I want you to remember. Hear this again. The place God calls you to is a place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meets. I'll close with one last thought from the interview with Rick Stanton, the cave diver who rescued the Thai boys and their coach. Rick said this, and from that moment when I came out of the cave, having found them, I completely changed. All my efforts were directed towards the rescue and saving of those boys. Whether Rick believes in God or not, he uttered one of the most clear articulations of a vocation I've ever heard in, in my life. He became convinced that his years spent K-diving, his deep gladness, or as he said, his perverse enjoyment and pleasure, met the world's deep hunger in rescuing those boys. This story here in Luke ends in a similar way. Jesus expanded Simon and his buddy's vocational imagination by almost seeking their boats and calling them to fish for people. Some might say that Jesus interrupted their work and their livelihood but I say that their calling became so clear that in verse 11, we read, when they brought their boats back to shore, they left everything and followed him. My prayer today is that we would have the courage to enter into God's rescue mission by giving generously of who we are, what we do and what we have to follow Jesus completely. And in so doing, I pray that you will find that place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You, consider sharing it with a friend who might also enjoy it. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast here and give us a rating that helps us connect with more listeners. This free resource and all of Kindred's ministries are supported by the generosity of people like you. Your giving changes lives and it helps us to share and embody God's love. If you'd like to make a donation, you can do so on our website at www.kindrednc.church. Just select give. You can find lots of ways to connect with our community on our website as well as on our social media pages. Thanks again for listening and we will catch you next time.